Well, good morning, Christ Chapel. I feel the uh, need here in this particular service to uh, thank Cody publicly for introducing the entire congregation to the dance move, the Dougie. Now, I've practiced this move. That's as far as it goes. It's as far as it goes. You know, I want my, I want to grow deeper in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Everything flows out of my walk with Jesus Christ. I want to grow deeper in my relationship with Jesus Christ. But the question is, is what does that look like? How does that, how does that really happen? Where do I start as I begin to grow deeper in that relationship? You know, we're continuing in our series entitled Inertia. We've been looking up in worship. We've been leaning into community. We've reached out into service. And now we want to grow deep as we gain momentum together to really move in God's direction for 2020. And growing deep in our relationship is really growing deep with Jesus so that we're not swayed by those circumstances and influences and stresses that come into our life just about every day. Growing deep in him so that we're able to stand firm in the midst of all of the other pressures that are out there. I want to grow deeper in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything flows out of my walk with God. And that applies to all of the relationships that I have. If my relationship with God is secure, all of those other relationships are going to be secure as well. You know, as I thought about it, that relationship with Jesus Christ has a lot of similarities in my relationship with Patty. Patty and I have been married for over 46 years, and it just keeps getting better and better, and we keep getting deeper and deeper in our relationship. And I have to confess that I've learned a few things over the years, i.e., uh, what to say and what not to say. You know, um, there are times to speak, and then there are times to just listen and say, yes, dear. And I've also learned that there are some important elements that need to be a part of that relationship with Jesus Christ, as I, can, I mean, with, with Patty, as I cultivate a relationship with her. You know, their trust is obviously there. I need to take time. I need to uh, talk. There needs to be some touch and tenderness that, that happens. They're all extremely important in cultivating that relationship with, Jesus, with, with Patty. But there's also one foundational element that stands out in that relationship. Patty needs to know that she is number one. She needs to know that she is the woman in my life. And I need to be able to tell her that. I need to be able to show her that. I need to be able to express that. And if there are other things that come into my life that she begins to sense has taken place of her, that relationship is going to crumble and it's going to begin to diminish. I mean, how many marriages have we seen over the years that 
something else begins to creep in to take the precedence of the spouse. Either work priorities or some sort of other project or something else that comes in. And all of a sudden, time begins to dwindle and talk begins to be um, waning and the couple slowly begins to drift apart. I don't want to have that happen in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to grow deeper in my relationship with Jesus Christ because everything flows out of that relationship that I have with him. But what does that mean? Does that mean just obtaining more Bible knowledge? Does that mean an emotional feeling? Is that what's crucial here? Is growing deeper with Jesus Christ just a demonstration of obedience to him? How does that look like? What's really important? You know, and it really boils down to the same issue It boils down to the relationship of my heart and the attitude of my heart that I have. And Jesus goes to the heart of the issue as he begins to look at the passage that we're going to talk about today. Jesus talks about the condition of our heart in the parable of the soils and the seed. Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. It's on page 839 in your pew Bible. Foundational foundational parable in so many different ways to be able not only be able to explore parables, but also foundational in our relationship that we have of growing closer to him. God wants us to grow in Christ-likeness. In fact, we will ultimately be conformed to his likeness. Christ-likeness is the way that we evaluate our our growth. And the context for this passage in Mark chapter 4 takes place right after the teachers of the law began to really accuse Jesus of doing all of his works and miracles under the power of Beelzebub. And Jesus realizes that there's some some contention that's coming up, that there's some opposition that's beginning to arise to his ministry. And so he shifts focus and he begins to talk to his, his disciples in parables. And parables literally means throwing something alongside. It's a comparison. It's teaching by analogy or metaphor. It's a common rabbinic device that Jesus used to great skill in teaching his disciples. I like parables. And the reason I like parables is you got to think about them. You have to think about them. You have to be committed to study about them. It doesn't come easy. You have to work at the understanding. Warren Wiersbe, he wrote, he said, he A parable begins innocently as a picture that arrests our attention and arouses our interest. But as we study the picture, it becomes a mirror in which we suddenly see ourselves. And if we continue to look by faith, the mirror becomes a window with which we see God and God's truth. How we respond to that truth will determine what further truth God will teach us. And the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4 really explains why the Pharisees and the teachers of the law hadn't really accepted the teaching that Jesus was giving. And it really explains why more people even today don't understand why or understand or responding to the word that Jesus brings. Why the word is not better received. 
Look at what it says in Mark chapter 4, verses 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seeds, though, fell into good soil, produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Everybody here in this room is one of those soils. The question is, is which soil represents you? The sower, remember, in this parable, the sower remains the same. The seed remains the same. The only variable in this parable is the soils. And Jesus describes four different types of soils. He says the first one's hard ground. The seed is thrown on hard ground, and basically nothing's able to happen. The second, in verse 5, is the rocky ground. It springs up, but there's no depth to this soil. It's shallow, very shallow. And so when the sun comes, it withers up and there's no growth. The third soil, in verse 7, is the seed that falls along, along the thorns. It starts to grow, but thorns choke it out and there's no fruit. The last soil in verse 8 is the good soil. The seed falls on that soil, it grows, it produces a crop, and it multiplies. Here's the main point. The main point is this. The condition of the soil determines the potential for growth. The condition of the soil determines the potential for growth. Well, the disciples really didn't get it. Verse 10, when they was alone, those around the 12 asked him about the parable. We don't get it. What's going on here? And so Jesus then begins to explain the parable. And in that explanation, we're really able to see ourselves. This is where the parable now turns and it becomes a mirror because we're able to look at ourselves and kind of determine what soil are we? And what Jesus really wants to teach is verse 13 through 20 is if you want to grow deeper with the Lord, if you want to grow deeper with the Lord, you need to have a receptive heart to the truth. You see, the receptiveness of your heart determines the potential for growth. And Jesus now begins to explain this sower. In verse 
14, he says, the sower sows the word. In other words, the sower is God. And I remember I said, the sower doesn't change. The sower is God. He sows the seed. The seed doesn't change. The seed is the word of God. But the soils now represent our heart as receptiveness to that word. How receptive are you? And he says in verse 15 that the first soil is really the hardened heart. And the hardened heart is unable to accept truth from God. Look at what it says in verse 15. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. The threat here is Satan himself. Satan snatches away the word, the seed, before anything is able to happen, anything is able to, to germinate. Now, this person, this hardened heart person, he's really hostile. There's an indifference of attitude to this person. There's no interest in the truth from God. I mean, it's a pushback. This is the person where you say, the name Jesus and the word Jesus just kind of gets sucked up into the wall. They really have no interest, in, either due to their presuppositions or their worldview or their distortions or their prejudice against Christianity. For whatever reason, they are keeping the word out, keeping it work out. And in this context, the Pharisees really had kept the word out. They were unable, they, didn't, they had a hard heart. They weren't willing to allow the word to penetrate into their, into their life. They were more interested in their own religion than they were in really hearing the word. You know, in our context today, these are the people that, are, that like to ask the question, but they really aren't interested in the answer. They're the person that are interested in the, in the debate rather than they're interested in a discussion. And it's really not too difficult to, to, to really see or understand that person with a hard heart. I mean, we see them all the time. You can pretty well easily tell by their attitude or their demeanor or their posture or their lack of interaction. They're keeping you at arm's length. All you can really do for that person with the hard heart is pray for them. Pray for them. Pray that God would open their heart. But he said, mentions a second person in verses 16 through 17, and this is the part, person with the impulsive heart. Notice verse 16. These are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root in themselves, but endure it for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. You see, they have shallow. They're very shallow. There's, there's no depth to allowing it to penetrate. This is the person who has good intentions, but because of other issues, they don't allow the word to really impact their life. The threat for this person is really self. It's flesh. These are the people that I categorize affectionately as those inspirational junkies. They're the people that go from one inspirational fix to another inspirational fix, always looking for the next new thing. They're, 
To the point where it's hard sometimes when you're talking to them to keep up with the topic or the speaker. They're just looking for the next high, so to speak. Growing has been repressed by a gimmick. Now, growing has been repressed by a podcast. If people are really more interested in listening to the latest news speaker or the book, it gravitates to listening to somebody else talk about their relationship with Christ rather than really growing their own relationship with Christ. Going from fix to fix. There's no firm root in themselves because it's all focused on me and I. It's what can I get out of this service? It's what I like to hear. It's what I like to listen to. It's what I like to... And all of the sentences begin with I and me and self gets in the way of really allowing the word to penetrate deeply into their life, to, to grow deeper with Jesus Christ. There's no firm root. It's based on self. And so when tribulation or persecution arises... Since they have no firm root in their self, and they're only thinking about self, well, maybe this person's not going to like me as well, or maybe it's going to change the way people look at me, they begin to fall away. They back off. They shrink away from taking on the world because it's focused on me, focused on self. You know, I want to stand firm in the face of tribulation. I want to stand firm in the face of, of persecution. I want to have deep roots that won't be shaken by the latest thing that's coming up. I want to be firm in my relationship with, with Jesus Christ. Challenges are going to come, to come and go. The only thing that's stable in life is my relationship with, with Jesus Christ. I don't need to be obnoxious or offensive with those individuals, but I, but I don't need to be shying away from them either. I want to grow deep. The hardened heart, the threat is Satan. With the impulsive heart, the threat is self. But there's another heart here that Jesus mentions, and that's the preoccupied heart, verse 18 through 19. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. The preoccupied heart is preoccupied with the things of the world. The threat here is the world. It's an external threat. The last threat was an internal threat. This is an external threat where the worries of the world really take, takes over. And personal comfort now becomes an issue because I don't know if I really want to ruffle the status quo. Somebody mentioned to me here just recently that, you know, out of all of the three, these three soils, this, this soil is probably the one that's most miserable. The first two soils probably don't know any different. But this soil, they're the ones who've heard the word, but probably a little bit miserable because something's been choking it out, i.e. the worries of the world, something's out there. And it's not pleasant to be choked. You know the right thing to do, but something's choking. And Jesus names those three pressures, and the first one he mentions is the, the worries of the world. Well, what are those worries? I mean, it doesn't take much to be able to 
identify some of those worries. We begin to worry about identity theft or, or whether or not the car is going to work or, or the house or, or violence or taxes coming up or, or the latest health scare. All of those worries of just living in the world. And the problem is, is we begin to focus our attention on those to a place where growth gets choked out. Maybe it's begin to worry about whether or not you're going to have enough financial resources to be able to retire when you want to retire. And your focus now starts focusing on your portfolio rather than growth in Jesus Christ. Jesus specifically mentions the deceitfulness of riches, pursuing wealth that really can't satisfy in and of itself, but that pursuit, the deceitfulness of riches. You think that, gee, if I just have more riches, I'm going to be happy, but that's not what happens. And along with that, the desire for other things, those things that you think are going to satisfy, but as you pursue them and as you gravitate to them, as you accumulate all of those, those things that you think are going to bring satisfaction to you, they find, you find them to be empty. They don't satisfy. The desires for wealth and life, those aspects, choke out. You start to worry about those things, and they choke out your desire to grow closer to Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but weeds tend to grow pretty freely in my yard. I do not have to do much to cultivate weeds. There's not really too much cultivation that goes on when I want to cultivate any weeds. They seem to spring up. But one thing I do know is that I'm going to have to deal with those weeds, otherwise they're going to take over. I'm going to have to do something. There are many weeds that kind of spring up naturally in life that would like to be able to choke out the word, the lure for the bigger house, the lure for the bigger portfolio, lure for more free time that chokes out that relationship with Jesus Christ. But I want to grow deeper with Jesus. I want to grow deeper with him. The hardened heart, the impulsive heart, the preoccupied heart. By the way, working backwards in those three, notice that they really name the three enemies. The enemy of the world and the flesh and the devil. See, those three are always at work. They want to keep you from growing in your relationship with, with Jesus Christ. But there's a fourth soil. Notice the fourth soil in, in verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. This heart is different from the rest. This heart is ready to hear the truth. This heart is eager to hear the truth. They're ready to listen. Oh, I've heard it said so many times, you know, if somebody isn't really ready to listen, they aren't going to hear what you have to say. That's really true, isn't it? If they aren't ready to listen, you aren't, they aren't going to hear what you have to say. Teachers know that. Parents know that. Physicians know that. If they, if they aren't really ready to hear what you have to say, it doesn't make any difference how forcefully or how loudly or how convincingly or how masterfully or how often we say it. 
they aren't going to hear it. They're just not ready to hear what you have to say. I love those conversations and the phone calls that I get every once in a while, you know, from people that were in my class, and they say, well, why didn't you talk about this in class? The fact of the matter, we did. You just weren't listening. And there's a reason for that. They weren't ready. They weren't ready to hear it. Weren't ready to hear the truth. But the person with the responsive heart is ready to hear the truth. They're eagerly seeking it. They recognize their dependence upon God. They're hungry for the word. They're, they're excited to hear a message from God's word so that they can grow. They want to hear what God has to say so that they can grow closer to him. They want to grow in their relationship with God. This is the person that allows God's word to run deep in their life. They hear the gospel. They respond. They respond to the truth that they've heard. You know, let me add here that a lot of people try to figure out which of these soils are talking about believers or which of these soils are talking about unbelievers. That wasn't Jesus' point in the parable. The parable has to do with the condition of one's heart and receptivity to the truth. Where's your heart? You see, if you have a receptive heart to the truth, you'll continue to grow and bear fruit for him. The question becomes is, how receptive is your heart? Where is your heart? You know, we normally like Christianity on our own terms. We want Christianity the way that's comfortable for ourselves. We like it so it's convenient. We like it customized to who we are. We want choices. Are we receptive really to the truth that God has for us, or are we just receptive to what we want to hear? The receptive heart listens to God and applies it into their life. What kind of heart do you have? You see, if you want to grow deeper in the Lord, you need to have a receptive heart for the truth. And the second one is like this. If you want to grow deeper in the Lord, you need to practice the truth that you've received. You need to hear the word and allow it to come into your life and bear fruit. There's a very important word here in verse 20 that you notice. It says, here's the word and accepts it. They accept it. The word is an action which implies intentionality. Literally, the mean, word means welcomes it for himself. Welcomes it. You allow the word to change you. There's one thing to hear the word, but then there's another thing to welcome it in through the attitude of your heart to allow it to penetrate deep into your life so that it changes you. Take the steps necessary to apply the truth into my life. And if we take the steps necessary to apply that truth into our life, we're going to grow, we're going to mature, and we're going to bear fruit. And the question then becomes is, well, what is that fruit? What's that fruit? How do I measure whether or not I'm growing? 
Well, the fruit is Christ-likeness. If I plant an apple tree, what kind of fruit am I going to get? Apples. If I plant a peach tree, I'm, what kind of fruit am I going to get? Peaches. If I plant a Christ-like tree, what kind of fruit am I going to get? Christ-likeness. And you say, well, what is Christ-likeness? Well, the fruit of Christ-likeness is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You see, it's a well-rounded, well-balanced relationship with Christ that runs deep. And as we see those characteristics coming up in our life, as we see those things welling up in our life, we know, all right, I'm on the right path of growing deep, allowing the word to, to penetrate. But second, it's like practice is essential. Practice is essential for growing deeper in maturity. Growth requires some intentionality. I need to do something with the truth. I need to apply the truth into my life. I need to allow it to penetrate. I need to welcome it in. A casual attitude with the word of God is a very precarious place to be. There's one thing to hear it. And there's one thing to gain knowledge and to puff ourselves up with knowledge. And it's another thing to allow that knowledge that we've gained, that truth that we've gained to impact our life and penetrate our heart. The condition of one's heart determines receptivity to the truth. There's only one soil here that produces fruit. Only one soil. That's the good soil. The soil that's ready to receive it, ready to hear. So how do we cultivate? How do we cultivate growth in our life? Let me ask you a couple questions here. And these are the questions where you need to do a little bit of thinking on your own. The first question is this, is do you truly desire to grow deeper with the Lord? I mean, really now, do you truly desire to grow deeper with the Lord? That's a legitimate question. I mean, some people are very content and satisfied right where they are. I don't want to grow deeper. I'm very satisfied with what's happening. I do this, I do this, and I do this. It's okay. Leave it there. But Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And everything that I do flows out of that deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to grow deeper with the Lord. Growing deeper with the Lord is an adventure. And as you grow deeper with the Lord, new things, new vistas will be opened up. And you come into a new place. Just as in your relationship with people, as you grow deeper with them, it's always fulfilling. It's always an adventure. But let me ask you a question, another question. Are you willing, truly willing to take the next step to growing deeper with the Lord? I mean, it's going to take some work. Application of Scripture into your life is difficult. In some cases, it's pretty painful. When you begin to see yourself in light of the Word, you then go, whoa, whoa, that's sinful. I need to do something with that. 
And now we have to begin to wrestle with ourselves. Maybe you realize that taking the next step is something that may be painful. Are you really willing to take the next step? I want to grow deeper with the Lord. Taking the next step is worth it. Grow deeper, become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. It's a process that continues to move, your, move you down that path. So let me encourage you to take the initiative and get involved in Bible study. Take the initiative and get involved in Bible study. And maybe that just starts with beginning with a plan. Begin with a plan. Maybe it's as simple as saying, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. You know, that's, you know, find a Bible reading plan. There's probably a Bible reading plan in the back of your Bible. I know that there's a Bible reading plan that if you go to Christ Chapel's website, they have a Bible reading plan. Patty and I, we read through a, it's called Book at a Time Bible reading plan that's put out by the Navigators. You can get on the Navigator website, download that. It's a great Bible reading plan. There are tons of Bible reading plans, but you need to make a decision. I'm going to read through the Bible. Make a decision that says, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to start with a plan. Or maybe you choose to visit what was announced, the Center for Christian Growth page, which is now found on our website. You can take your sermon notes and turn it over, and you can go to the QR code that's right there and scan it. It'll take you to that website. On that website, that page lists all the available opportunities at Christ Chapel for you to be able to take the initiative to grow in 2020. It's not like we're hiding anything here. We're making it available and saying, here are some opportunities for you to take the initiative if you choose to take that step. Maybe the next step for you is, is to just get involved in a small group. You say, maybe it's been long enough. That's the time. That's the time. Take that step. You see, we want you to grow deeper. We want you to have a growing deeper in the Lord this year, to gain that momentum, gain that momentum of reaching out. I want to grow deeper in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't want to be tossed to and fro by every wind that comes up. Jesus teaches that those who receive the truth and act upon it, more truth will be given. Growing deeper begins with the receptiveness of your heart. How receptive is your heart today? Father, thank you for the reality and the profound truth that's found in your word. I pray, Lord, for all of us here that your word today would find good soil, would bear much fruit. I pray that you would use your word today to spur us along in our walk with you. Maybe there are some here that need to really reevaluate the condition of their heart and, and how receptive they really are to, to your word. I pray that you would use this time of reflection in their life to convict, to reprove, and to draw them towards godliness. Mold us, shape us, conform us to your image, Lord. May we never be the same, never be the same as we hear 
and apply your word to our life. For we pray all of these things in Christ's name.